Hello, welcome to Sobremesa. Today is Monday the 28th of September and as we enter towards October, Spanish politics yet again has hit another crisis and is warming up. Um, we have, this is a very time sensitive episode, so by the time you listen to it, things might have changed. Uh, tomorrow, Vox are presenting a motion of no confidence in the Congress with the candidate being Abascal. That was after they suggested, you know, nominating someone that was more appeasing to, to, the, to the middle and the centre, but uh, Abascal obviously wasn't able to find anyone. And then we've also got the possible extension of the Edites, so that's the Spanish furlough scheme, um, which will be key for the economy, but more importantly for the workers and the Spanish people. And then we also have um, Pablo Casado, the leader of Pepe, uh, saying some very odd things that people voted for King Felipe and not for Pablo Iglesias and Alberto Garzón. This comes after a lot of um, strange statements between uh, the left and the king in recent weeks. Um, and with me today, I have Owen Gilmartin, uh, who is a journalist who's been featured in Jacobin and Tribune, um, amongst other places. Hello, welcome to Sorbonne Mess, Owen. Hey, hey, Alan, good to be, good to be here with you. Thanks for coming. Um, so you've been covering uh, the cro chronov coronavirus uh, pandemic as it's been... Yeah. as it's been exploding, really. Uh, it's a long explosion, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, uh, Jesus. Um, but you know, how, is, how has your, from your view, um, how has the government in, in Spain dealt with it? When compared to like its European cousins of, you know, the UK, Ireland, France, and, you know, all these other places, we sort of get a drip feed of little bits of news. But... Um, you know, Spain has been heavily criticised by its own media for its management. How do you think the central and the regional governments have sort of managed it, really, in like a in a wider context? Um, I mean, obviously, there are different phases as well. I mean, you know, um, if we'd been talking in in May, I think we would be talking maybe even of a success story. You know, I mean, they they managed to a very strict lockdown for two months and managed to really suppress suppress the virus. I mean, I think one of the things that stands out in terms of um, the politics of the pandemic in, in Spain is the the degree and the speed of of how the crisis was politicized by by the Spanish right, um, and I think that stands out. If you look, for example, at neighbouring Portugal, which also has a sort of progressive left leaning coalition, um, the Portuguese right in a sense, felt, felt, felt the need um, to support the government to, to, to fall into line behind them at a, you know, at a moment of national emergency. Mm. Um, and there seemed to be that, that potential maybe in the first few, in the first few weeks um, in Spain. And then by mid-April, you had, yeah, you know, you mentioned earlier uh, Pablo Casado um, talking about um, Sanchez seeking a constitutional dictatorship. I mean, this was, right. you know, this was like sort of a month, six weeks into, in, six weeks into the, into the pandemic. Mm. And I think what's happened since, because, because that first phase, you had this, this rapid politicization and, 
polarization mm. that it's been very difficult for the central government. Um, I mean, this has been driven, I think, by a sense that, um, you know, the Spanish right have an idea that the, the left, the left never governs legitimately. So mm. even, even Casado's idea that, um, uh, we voted for Felipe, but we didn't vote for Podemos or whatever. I mm. mean, that's, that is, that is part of that, that, the only way the left can govern in Spain is um, is 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 through some sort of I don't know power grab or, or um, so you have you know Zapatero only managed to get into government because of the the terrorist attacks in two thousand and yeah um, and you had the th- you know the conspiracy theories around ETA etc uh-huh. um, and I think here you have you had very early on an attempt to attempts to undermine the central government. This, like this by case, lawfare was like a lot of it, wasn't exactly, it? Yeah, exactly, yeah, by yeah. lawfare. I mean, I think that's another thing which stands out. Is like, I, I can't think of another country in Western Europe where the central government has been subject, you know, to a, a, an attempt, you know, like when attempt, we talk about lawfare. Attempt to, to, to like, more yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know if, like, you always want to avoid, I always like to avoid <laughs> yeah. the strong word coup, but like a, yeah. an attempt to, to bring down the government by elements within the judiciary and the security forces. I mean, I mean, I did read um, an interview somewhere with uh, a prominent lawyer in the South, I believe, who did use the word coup. Like, I'm not, I'm not suggesting it was, but um, you know, there's that whole feeling around it, wasn't there? What during? The, I think the lawfare. So, for people that don't know, lawfare is like attacking someone, but via via the courts, basically, like trying to tie them up in knots isn't it um exactly um so i mean obviously one of the things in spain is there's been a lot of um theory again conspiracy theories around the uh women's day march on the 8th of 8th, um, the 8th of march yeah, um, huge, yeah. Ju- just before just before the the lockdown came into effect in spain um and i mean you're you're talking not just about um yeah i mean not just about like vox voicing these these type of conspiracy theories you're talking about um, members of the judiciary and high-level uh, members of the security forces manipulating evidence, um, you know, mm. with sort of completely falsified um, judicial reports to try and implicate members of the government in these in this. Um, I mean, this this led to the commanding officer of the Guardia Civil in, in Madrid being uh, being fired, um, as well as other high-ranking officers. I mean, yeah. it is. So I think when we when you when we're talking about the sort of um, the management of the pandemic, it's very difficult to, in Spain to separate it from the politics. Yeah. Part, and I think I think it's also important. Important. There's been a lot of analysis in recent weeks, sort of saying, uh, you know, it's the political class. Like the, the second, you know, you have the the coronavirus, and then there's a second virus in Spain, the political class, and it's their right. incompetency. But I think to sort of paint everyone with the same brush is, to, uh, you know, with a sort of anti, anti-politics um, is, 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 is problematic. I think mm. the, the, hegem- like the, the strength and social hegemony of, of the right in the media, in the judiciary, mm. in the security forces has been used against the central government. Um, and you have this block of conservative power in Spain, which, is, which has made the central government's um role or uh reaction to this crisis very difficult mm. at the same time clearly 
I mean, you wouldn't, you, you can't let Sanchez off the hook. I mean, um, yeah. And I think since, I think you got to a position in sort of June where he had lost his parliamentary majority. He couldn't continue, you know, um, he was being attacked by both the Catalan right and the Spanish right. Yeah. And it was very, he w- most likely couldn't have continued with this, uh, another state of alarm. Mm-hmm. Relations had also broken down with the 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 employers, the um, the big business mm-hmm. association, the yeah. CIA, um over the labor reform. And I think since then you've seen or an attempt over the summer to try and uh, get some breathing space. Mm. Um, and I think in terms of managing the actual immediate crisis, this is this has greater problems. Putting the responsibility back on the regions. Um, mm and taking a hands-off approach i guess what we're going to be talking about in in, in relation yeah. to madrid, madrid because in a sense where we are in this moment is is a high stakes i mean this is it is awful that this is what and this is what the, the spanish right have pushed pushed spain to is a high stakes game of chicken win at the moment yeah where i used to does not want to be the one to to take the hard decisions she does not mm. want to lock you know uh lock down madrid and so is for is basically trying to force Sanchez to intervene, um, yeah. and and then, as you know, as we saw in 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 April May, will you know um, create create a sort of a huge controversy around this. I presume accuse Sanchez of trying to um, crash the Madrid economy, etc. Mm. So it is it is a it's a very difficult situation um, in which. The Spanish right is more interested in undermining the central government and make, um, I mean, also elements of the Catalan right, uh, pro-independence right. Um, they're more interested in undermining the central government's ability to govern um, than um, trying to solve, um, you know, an uncon- at, at this point, an uncontrolled an uncontrolled uh, second, city. Yeah, yeah. Second wave uh, second, in a capital city, a yeah, major capital city yeah, of Europe. yeah. Um, like going back to the, the, those months throughout the pandemic, uh, where it was like Pablo Casado was essentially using uh, Isabel Ayuso's position as president of the capital Comunidad to beat the central government with. Um, and then, you know, the, the coalition, like Padre Sanchez basically went, all right, you can have what you've been asking for, because the Catalans were also, you know, um, were asking for their right to manage things back. I think maybe Vice Basco were as well, like a few, that there were yeah. quite a few people asking for their powers back. Um, and then that he's given it back to them. Um, and I think that's where I would agree with you, you know, we can't let Sanchez off the hook. They, they probably let them have the powers back too quickly, but you know, this, you can't separate the management, as you said, with the politics of it. So it's, it's kind of, it yeah. is kind of, this is like I the mean, end result. Yeah, isn't it, of, yeah. Isn't it I mean, obviously, the other issue is Spain. I mean, probably. I mean, again, I don't. I don't have any medical training, but I think a lot of people have said maybe that they, the reopening of the economy, obviously, ha- maybe happened too quickly, and then mm. there wasn't, there wasn't a clear, clear criteria in terms of how do you react when the numbers go back up. Like there was never, okay, at, at this point, this is when you, you know, you have to reimpose restrictions. Um, mm. But I think it is also a question of the imbalance imbalances in Spain's economy. The fact that it, you know, fifteen twenty percent depends yeah. on tourism. 
Yeah. They had to, re, you know. And there's the back eat- chain of that as well, isn't there? That, there's the stuff that's related to that as exactly. well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, in that, in that sense, you, you know, there was a, a rush to open up and try and have a, a you know, a, a tourist season in the summer. Um, and again, I guess, you know, in place, the problem was, I mean, you're, you're talking after 10 years of austerity, mm. there weren't the state capacities then to deal in, in places like Catalonia and Madrid to, to deal with um, the, the ensuing outbreaks, whether it's from, you know, you know, seasonal agricultural workers or, you know, mm. other, other things. And I think, so you have, you have yeah, these d- different elements coming in. I mean, yeah, like an example, my, my city, Leganes, is like the, um, the Croydon of Madrid, say, like commuter yeah. town, there's about 250,000 people. And our, our small hospital, like, but it's a reasonable hospital, actually shut its doors. Like, it wouldn't take anyone else. Um, and, you know, that's how bad the austerity has been, really. I mean, a hotter town, or a, it's a, effectively a city, had no hospital whatsoever. Um, and it's just, that's how bad it was here, really, I think. At and, point. and I think that's, you know, um, I, I interviewed the uh, epidemiologist Pedro uh, Guillon mm. last week. And I think one of the things he was saying is that it's not a, it's not a coincidence that the, the two, the two regions which have struggled to, to, I mean, obviously they're also the two most um, maybe urbanized regions, but like Madrid and Catalonia, don't have the capacities um, mm. to to deal with these outbreaks. It's mm. you know Madrid has has been governed by this by the Spanish right for um, for twenty five years now, and mm-hmm. I mean you you're talking of dec- decades of undermining the public the public uh, public health infrastructure mm. in the capital, um, and I think you know I mean it is. I mean when you when you think of the level of dysfunction of the the health system in Madrid. Um, mm. I mean, fa- fa- you know, famously, um, um, there was a, a huge investment scheme undertaken by Esperanza Aguirre, the, the former, mm. um, the former regional regional president from mm. the Pepe, um, in which eleven new hospitals were built uh, using PFIs, private financial, mm-hmm. and, yeah. uh, and so you, the region had eleven new hospitals. Um, but by the end, by the end of this this uh, this process, when the eleven hospitals were built, they actually had less beds per capita than mm. before before two thousand and four, when the when, when this the, uh, this began. Mm. With you know, you just have entire wings, entire floors of hospitals that are that have been built. That are you know these huge con- private contracts have been have been given to to major corporations to build these to build mm. these hospitals. Um, and then they're they're just left vacant. And mm. what 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 Pedro Guillon was saying to me was that, um, yeah, I mean the the health system. I and mean, this this went on to the management of then of the pandem- pandemic. Yeah. is is that the uh, decisions were being guided more by, yeah, creating opportunities for for their corporate allies. You know, mm. famously Florentino Perez ran the. The, the hospital in Ifema, no, um, mm-hmm. yeah. getting you know a multi multi million euro contract, which could you know, um, and Guillon said to me that you know that money alone would have been enough to 
to have put in place, a, you know, a, a, um, a, um, a, you know, contact tracing system. Yeah. Um, and so you have, you know, yeah, you, you have a very weak, weak, um, you know, weak health healthcare system in the capital in which, um, you know, primary healthcare, which has been left to do, you know, left to deal with much of the, uh, much of the pandemic has just been overwhelmed. Yeah. It's, it's, um, you know, I think in, in Spain, the average, uh, for, for spending per, per inhabitant of a region on primary healthcare is 223 euro, uh, per inhabitant, but in Madrid, it's only 147. And this, you know, you have just this, I mean, the, even before we get to the immediate mismanagement of the pandemic, you have a healthcare system which has just been run into the ground. I mean, um, yeah, and because like spending is regional as well, isn't it? So I've been to, unfortunately, I've been to as as a patient and a relative. I've been to hospitals in Andalusia, and you know they're marvelous hospitals. Like some of them yeah. are huge; they're really well staffed. I mean, you know, they're on. Bear in mind how much. Spain spends on health compared to you know like other richer countries they do very well for their spending uh, in yeah. certain areas um, and I think I you know I always hear lots of uh, other sort of giris and stuff saying you know the healthcare in Spain is so brilliant it's so good but it's really not not everywhere like it's yeah exactly I mean the, the other I mean obviously the other issue in Madrid particularly with the primary healthcare is, is the fact that um I think more than 30% of, of the population in Madrid has, has private healthcare. So, you know, you have the professional classes, the middle classes and Mm. up are in a sense protected from this underinvestment. Mm. Um, And that's the core of the pay pay vote. I mean, like the point, Mm. what this crisis has shown is like a strict correlation, um, I guess between, you know, like I used to, the one thing she has done in this crisis is look after her own. She knows exactly who who she's covering for, yeah. and who who will be affected, and she's willing to just sort of offload the course of this crisis of the pandemic mm. onto working class neighbourhoods in the south, which mm. don't vote for for uh, for the Pepe, and also have a much lower participation rate. Um, that, was, that was my next question: like, how much of this in Madrid is, you know, from your point of view, is political? Like, it sounds, I mean, to me. It, it's quite a lot, but I'd be interested to hear what you think. Because, yeah, uh, your last article with, was it Tribune? Madrid Class yeah. is, is your interview with, with Pedro. Exactly. Uh, um, oh, no, it's, I mean, it's, it's completely political. I mean, I, pre- mm. I presume, I mean, trying to think what the Pepe strategy was, it, it did seem to be, you know, they, they mounted this, this strict opposition to, to the central government in the mm. spring. They're... And I think their their bet was that you open up Madrid early, um, you have less of an e- economic impact in the city, and you could this is your flag, you know. You can say, look, th- you know, we have limited the mm-hmm. the losses in the city. Um, yeah, they did. Um, and I pres- I presume again in relationship to the the uneven impact is the fact that yeah, I mean, um, the people who the infection rate um, in these southern neighborhoods, which you know o- overwhelmingly uh, vote uh, for the left, in particular PSOE, mm. um, that these 
uh, that's who are going to take the brunt the brunt of the the actual pandemic. I mean, mm. Pedro Pedro Guillon, as a social ep epidemiologist, talked about. I guess you know. I mean, Madrid is. I mean, the other element is Madrid is the most segregated city, socially segregated city mm. in 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 Europe. Um, mm. There was a major report um, done a, a couple of years ago on this, um, and you know it is that strict north-south divide, yeah. which, you know, maps onto the class division, uh -huh. um, means, yeah, it's, it's, the impact is so uneven that you have, you know, in those uh, southern neighborhoods, I think only 15, 20% of people can, um, you know, work at home. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas, whereas in the northern neighborhoods, it's about 80, 80%. And yeah. so, you know, people in the south, in, in you know yeah Usera in Via Verde these these type of mm -hmm. neighborhoods are are being forced um, you know to commute every day across the city to, you know for to provide low low wage services in normally in the north or in the center of the city and and so are much more exposed to the virus they're eight yeah. or nine you're spending eight or nine hours in these sort of crowded um, you know whether it's in whether it's in, in shops and in bars and, and uh -huh. working or in working the metro. In, yeah. in the metro exactly um, mm. so they're much more exposed but then they're also living in very overcrowded apartments I mean I think mm. one of the things he also uh, emphasized very much was it's not a question of population density it's a question of the fact of overcrowding of mm. the fact that there are six you know six eight people living in a three bedroom apartment in in Usera yeah. or something like that you know it's, yeah. Um, it's impossible to self-isolate. And so, you know, once, once one person gets it, it's, 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 it's very difficult for, for it not to just sort of to go through the apartments. I mean, I'm, mm. I've, I've lived, you know, I, I'm sure you have as well, like there's small apartments in, in the south of Madrid where, you know, paper thin walls, there's, you know, yeah. very small living room. You know, it's, it's just no, you know, 45, 50 meters squared. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and this is of course where the, ha the housing crisis in Madrid comes in is, is the mm. fact that, you know, even even six months into the pandemic, the the rents haven't come down, and mm. people are being forced to live in these small, overcrowded apartments. Um, and wages have, have stagnated for God knows how long as well. Exactly. Yeah. But the but the point for Ayuso, of course, is these people. She doesn't need these people. Like this. No. This isn't her. This isn't her core no. vote. Mm. Um, and it's um, it's also. I mean, it is. The Pepe have governed because they can. They can. Their ability to mobilize um, a certain uh, certain constituencies and the left's failure. I mean, it, it is when you have that twenty percent difference in participation rate mm -hmm. between places like Chambéry and places like uh, Villa Verde. It's 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 not even that like Madrid is um, necessarily a, you know. A, Majoritarian right wing city. It's it's literally that the it, in local and regional elections, this uh, yeah. working class voters don't come out in big numbers. I mean, as well as like the right to vote. I mean, a lot of the of yeah, well, that's, the, yeah, the a lot guess. of the like sports places and the I think they call it the Rust Belt, don't they, or the Red Belt or something like that. The Red Belt, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, but a lot of people there are immigrants as well that don't have the right to vote, or they do have the right to vote, but they they you know they they're not sort of not incentivized yeah. or then i went to vote in my area because i could vote in the local elections and I, I had my own piece of paper and i was e001 and i was like extranjero number one 
Um, oh wow! Okay. Yeah. And but my air is, you know, there's quite a lot of immigrants on my air, but I suppose a lot of them can't vote, or they, I suppose most of them can't. But and then there's also like Madrid has always been traditionally uh, like the middle class um, city as well, hasn't it? Like it's always had a very large middle class um, Madrid. Well, I it's think. yeah. I mean, it's it's. Um, I think. I mean, obviously. The reason why they have been in uh, the pay pay have governed for twenty five years is the economic model has worked for certain people and yeah. it has it it creates consensus mm. it creates a huge number of yeah well paid middle class yeah. jobs along with this huge number of this huge amount of precarious work um, yeah so you do I mean the the um, you know in terms of engineering in terms of finance mm. there are a lot of um, you know well paid professional jobs in the city. Um, and I think you know, the, yeah, the imbalance nationally in, in those mm. terms is is a problem. But yeah, Madrid is, you know, it's become this global global city. Um, uh, you know, the headquarters of uh, um, of of most of I guess Spain's major major yeah. corporations. Um, and I think yeah, I mean, obviously that's that even that alliance with with that you know, particularly like the big construction companies and mm. and others is really what has. You know that that there's a sort of that's the sort of the social roots of the Pepe's hegemony mm. in in Madrid. Like I mean, it's mm. um, and it's also I mean they're the type of companies which, you know, you know went to war for example against Zapatero ten years ago. Yeah, it's like you said earlier. It's a very like there are a lot of there's a lot of precarious work in Madrid and and down the south as well. Is um, you know there's there's hardly any. Um, there's hardly any wealth. There's like, you know, the metros are quite poor, the train connections are quite bad, um, you know, all these different things. And then the north is getting a whole, like, Chan Martin, there's a massive planned expansion. And, yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And, and mm. I think, like, I think to summarise it for anyone that doesn't, wants to know, like, there's there's a square dedicated to Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> next, to, next, to, next to Columbus Square or Plaza Colón, there's a yeah. Lafayette Margaret Thatcher, um, and you which know, the the Liverpool Liverpool fans famously renamed <laughs> during the Champions League final the to the Jeremy Corbyn square, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was a, a more appropriate name. Definitely. Um, definitely. Um, how do you feel about the the different national parties' responses to this? So, like from early on, we had, um, you know, we had the. The left-wing Republicans in Catalonia supporting them, um, the lockdown. We also had, I think, the Pepe supported the lockdown initially, or they abstained. Maybe I can't remember now. Um, Vox were very much against it, pretty much from the start. Maybe they voted for the first one because it was every two weeks, wasn't it? There was a vote every two yeah, weeks. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I mean, the they, lockdown. If I remember rightly, yeah, they did vote for the first one. Right. Okay. I think they even. Abascal made a lot of a big deal about the sort of recentralization of power, um, which the yeah. right way seem to love. <laughs> they love the, re the recentralization of power, but on the yeah. side, no, but way, the wrong people. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, yeah, I, it's. I guess. Yeah, I mean, going back to the last November's elections, I think. Um, in terms of like the outcome of last. Last November's elections, you had the this breakthrough, Vox's you know major breakthrough at a national uh -huh. level, um, 
winning over 50 seats in, in, in the national parliament. Mm. Um, and in a sense, the, gov- the current government um, is a reaction to that. Mm. So, Sanchez had, you know, Sanchez had bet a second, you know, second elections in, in six months um, would improve his position, mm. uh, having, having won in the April election. In fact, you know, he, you know, I think he lost a couple of seats. Um, I like your article on that, actually. Like, Pedro Sanchez, nowhere, man. It was on Jacobin, wasn't it? That was actually, yeah, that was for the April. That was for the April election, exactly. Oh, okay. I mean, I think he's, he's a fascinating figure as mm-hmm. a, but, um, and I think, you know, his, his great attribute as a politician is his ability to sort of resist and survive um, and be very, you know, very flexible, very nimble. Mm-hmm. But, I think he 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 and his sort of uh, his spin doctor Ivan Redondo got it wrong um, going to the second elections. Yeah. Not only not only did we, they they wanted Podemos to lose to lose support mm. and then be in a position in which they could dictate a minority government. They did, they didn't want to be anchored to their left uh, in a coalition with Podemos. They wanted to be able to you know to have sort of variable alliances. Mm. Um, and instead you had, well, you had the, um, you know, the, the verdict in the Catalan trials, you had a week of sort of um, street protests in Catalonia, mm. which, which sort of set the scene for, uh, for Vox's, you know, um, surge in the polls. Mm. Um, and so the coalition is, it, the current coalition, you know, it, it very much is a, you know, it was it, it was Sanchez's last choice, basically, um, and it's yeah. very much a you know a, a conjunctural alliance, which was meant maybe meant to last two three years, mm. um, pass a series of not radical but you know necessary reforms mm. um, after after ten years of, of of austerity and five years of institutional deadlock. I mean, you know, Spain has had four yeah. elections in 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 four and a half years. In, mm. um, it hasn't had a stable government in that period. Mm. You know, we have Spain hasn't passed a budget in three years. Um, so there was a need, in a sense, um, to to and in a sort of defensive alliance against the radicalization of the right mm. to have a have a have a coalition probably of you know a number of years um, with an unstable electoral majority, including. You know, um, Catalan and Basque uh, nationalist parties, mm. um, and so it was obviously yeah. Elected in January, they weren't expecting a you know a global pandem- <laughs> pandemic to hit in no, March. No, um, and so obviously it's it's. Um, I mean, they they didn't even really negotiate a comprehensive program for government. It was a very no. short do- short document focused on mainly on social issues mm. in which. There was there was no detail. Everything was going to be negotiated law by law, basically. Mm. Um, and so, um, you know, this this leaves you like you know when you, when the pandemic hit, there was no strong political project uniting this coalition. There was mm. no you know uh, clear program as a sort of you know uh, you know um, as a sort of offering a clear route forward. Yeah. Um, and so they've had to negotiate, and there's been a lot of tensions. I remember I think, seeing them having a, like an away day just before the pandemic hit. I saw there was like pictures. Oh, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. having like an away day. It was like, you know, a really bad merger between two companies. 
<laughs> like, well, yeah, not I mean, a bad merger, but like an uneasy merger, I suppose. Exactly. I mean, these yeah. people, these, you know, they've been out, well, like, you know, sort of, the, I mean, the, the reason why there's been four, four elections in four years is the fact that um, the, the, you know, economic and political establishment of Spain cannot allow basically a third, <laughs> a third of the country, you know, between the Podemos and uh, regional nationalists to govern or to have an influence in a government. So there's yeah. no, but you know, that is, that is what Spain is. Spain is a, you know, a plurinational progressive country in mm. its majority. Mm. Um, and so I think when we get, when we got, when you had this sort of campaign against the government in the spring, it certainly looked, the government looked pretty weak by, by the time you got to June. Um, yeah. And Sanchez over the summer, Try, try to sort of turn more to the center, reaching out in particular to Ciudadanos, the, the liberal center-right party. Mm. Um, and the idea of leaving behind um, the investiture allies from, from Catalonia in particular. Mm. Um, so the question, I mean, I guess the question is what happens next? I mean, we're, we're in the middle of the budget negotiations. And I think... Um, in the end, it looks like it's going to be a sort of a progressive budget passed by the uh, majority from the investiture. Mm. And I think there is, if if they pass the budget, the government should have the legs to survive for you know the next two three years. Mm. And I think more important, nearly as important is the is the Catalan issue because I think there is now an opportunity to make progress on that and to diffuse one of the sort of the clear pressure points of Spanish politics over the last few years. Um, you know, they, I think this week they're going to introduce um, legislation to reform uh, the laws around rebellion and sedition mm. and begin the process of maybe offering um, the Catalan, the jailed Catalan leaders uh, pardons. And I think if that could, that could be really significant in terms of they would, there is, there is a majority in the um, in the Spanish Parliament and in Spanish society, which which has you know been driven apart by the wedge issue of Catalan independence, if that can become not it's not going to be solved, but if it can be somewhat diffused, there is a sort of stable progressive majority there which could you know you know govern for the next two or three years, but it's yeah. going to be under ferocious pressure from the right. So you were saying about um, you know. Pessoa's response to this was like very sort of like swinging between the left and centre. Were you surprised by um, by Fidel response um, yeah. the European unions as well? I mean, they were sort of similar, weren't they? I mean, I was, the European Union went more to the Keynesian type economics um, pumping in money. Not, I'm not sure how it's going to roll out yeah. like but, yeah, um, yeah. That's the big question. Um, How was it? And Danos as well went, you know, under Adamadas, they've gone more sort of, I don't know, nicer, I suppose. Or I don't know if that's really the word, but. Well, I mean, obviously they are the, the party of, of Ebex, no? Like, so yeah. it's, in a, in a sense, um, they're doing their, ma their master's bidding, I think. Um, uh -huh. It's, in a sense, they are the, yeah. Um, I mean, as well. I mean, it's it's not just that, but it, you know, politically, it made sense. Where where were they going to get? You know, 
they always were positioned themselves as sort of neither left nor right party at the beginning mm. and they got caught in a in a you know in a competition of you know who could polarize who could have the strongest anti-leftist stance mm. which they were never going to win you know when, no. um so i think um i think we'll see because i think at the end of the day the problem for them is that they're in regional coalitions with with the Pepe and Vox. Yeah, um, like squashes any liberal credentials they had. Yeah. Really. I mean, I think they were quite, you know, they were quite well thought of by sort of lib- centre liberals, basically, at one point. But, um, and they have, at least until this point, sided with the Pepe in Madrid. You know, mm. there, had, there had been moves in early September about a possible Pesoe Ciudadanos coalition in Madrid, backed by Mas, Mas País or Mas Madrid. Mm-hmm. And, and Podemos. Um, was that the, the state council or the community? No, that was the re- the regional. And they were okay. the pe- the away went as far as to offer um, offer Ciranos the presidency. Wow! Um, but in the end, it didn't. Um, they have stuck with the Pepe. So I think at the yeah. end, and at the n- national level, you can see that the the Pesaways turn to to Ciranos has sort of lost a bit of uh, momentum at this point, and it mm. it's. It seems like an easier to put together an easier sort of um, parliamentary majority with with the mm. Catalans and with the Basque uh, the Basque parties. Um, yeah. In terms of the European Union, it's too early to tell because mm. I think you know if you look at the the reaction after, which was a very different crisis. But if you look at the reaction after to the two thousand eight financial crisis, mm. their reaction came in two two phases. Um, um, you know, I, I interviewed, he's a left-wing intellectual, an ex-MP um, for Unidos Podemos, uh, Manolo Monareo. Um, he's, he's written a really good book on the European Union, but um, he says, actually 2008, you had two phases. So you had the phase A, he calls it like, um, between, I guess, 2008, 2010, mm. in which we were all Keynesians, we were all, um, yeah. there was... The point was to pump money into the financial system. Um, you know, deficits deficits didn't matter in that mm. that period. And then yeah. once you have the euro crisis really taking off, yeah, you have European imposed austerity. You know, straight. You know, the, the neoliberalism of the, basically. Yeah, yeah, the reform of the of uh, the Spanish constitution to put in the the debt yeah, rate, yeah. etc. Um, and so. It's not clear if that if, if there's going to be a similar dynamic now where yeah for maybe for the next two years three years you will to, to stave off you know a complete economic collapse there will be deficit spending mm. um, there are going to be you know uh, European funds coming mm. um, but at what price in two years like what um, mm. you know will 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 Sanchez and Sanchez end up, up being or following the route of Zapatero in 2000. You know, yeah. Zap, Zapatero won the, um, you know, what, what year was those election? Like after the financial crisis, elect, election on an anti austerity platform. Yeah. And, you know, within two years, the international pressure became enormous. Um, and so it's, it's, it's unclear um, what's going to happen. You know what? Where the European Union will be in in two years' time? Mm. No, that's definitely true. And uh, yeah, Zapatero is a, a you know a good example of how the 
the Pessoe sort of swing and change for for you know whatever's uh, sometimes dictated by the European Union or not dictated but you know they they have sort of like their economic arm tied behind their back they don't have the sort of ability that some other countries might you know have to manage their like economic response to things like this um so i suppose that's where the left is always going to be a little bit sort of tied really um yeah but then uh, again you know um so like podemos is response uh but i think that their um their sort of management of this pandemic has probably been quite a testing ground for them because you know they come as like this um party of sort of they come out of the 15m a lot of them were either political scientists at the Complutense, or they were like they got their activist training through the like platforms uh, against you know evictions and houses and things yeah um so like going into government was quite i think was a gamble for them wasn't it i mean yeah. they they balloted their members and things um but how do you think they've sort of responded to this crisis and and how do you think it'll affect their relationship with Pessoe? Yeah, I mean, I think it, a lot depends on what what is in the the budget deal as such. Like they, mm. um, I think the next couple of months, um, they've sort of saved their political capital for for the negotiations now in in the autumn. I think they mm. they let. Uh, they backed down over a number of issues in the mm. spring. And I think, you know, it was a question of the government has to survive. Um, mm. And it is, I mean, the, that, you know, as a, as a junior poli- uh, partner in a coalition, it's always going to be very difficult, particularly when mm. you're, you're coming from, you know, sort of radical left-wing origins. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it's, it's, the worry is, you know, is you, you're in this bind where, if you if you don't manage to to gain like substantive concessions, your base um, your base will will become um, sort of disillusioned, will become you know um, yeah. and sort of you know walk away. And I think the pro- the problem is they have to deliver for you know mm. you've had ten years of, of economic crisis in Spain. Mm. Um, you know um, the increase in in yeah. Uh, employment precarity the mm. the housing crisis in, in major cities etc they have to deliver on these issues they are you know mm. um and i suppose that like the the costs of australia has just been amplified by the coronavirus so it's a lot more evident as well like yeah exactly yeah i mean that's um i think um i think the labor minister y- yolanda diaz has has done a really good job um, yeah and i think in a sense They've so far walked to sort of, you know, a narrow path between trying to push the best way on, on some issues and then mm. and and maintain a, a, an ind- independent profile, while at the same time not wanting to give like, um, I guess you know, um, not wanting to put the government in danger or give the the yeah. the right an excuse to to um, to criticise further. Yeah, um, and I think it's it's going to be difficult. They need you know. Um, they need to get concessions in the budget deal. Mm. Um, there needs to be movement on 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 the Cla- Catalan issue. Mm. Um, things like the um, the gag law, um, mm. how like um, um, the the labour reforms, which 
I mean, the labor reforms is going to be the toughest because I think it's, it's, it's where the sort of the attempt at social, social dialogue becomes nearly impossible because mm. you either back down or, or you impose reforms on, on employers who have no interest in, in, in this. And I think part, part of the attacks, you, you know, part of the attacks on this campaign against the government has, you know, it, it has the backing of, of, um, of the economic elites who don't, who don't want to see progressive reforms passed, mm. which later, when you know, which later can't be uh, overturned. I mean, yeah. you know, they don't want rent rent controls. They don't want, um, you know, the removal of the the pay pay labor reforms, which mm. you know, given them, you know, reduce reduce costs and you know, improved mm. um, um, improve their bargaining position with the unions. So um, Podemos have like this, I don't know, this historical sort of agitation theory around like, I don't know, they, they're quite the agitators, aren't they? Um, or they, ha- they were in the past yeah. in, in like saying things that, um, you know, traditionally the Pessoa probably wouldn't have said or, you know, and things like that. Um, and I think, you know, during the 15M and stuff, it struck with a lot of people. Um, and now they've sort of had to make that transition from, um, you know, anti-austerity party into, you know, like what I was saying earlier, you know, they're sort of like in with the PSOE, but they're also in with the European Union now. They have to manage the European Union, but also, you know, they have to govern as well. It's, um, so have you seen like a change in their, their agitation or do you think that they're just adapted in a sense? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think I, you can see, for example, um, I mean, I think you're right. Like, you know, obviously they came up as an anti-austerity party. Mm. And I think at the end of the day, they will be judged on the question of, you know, their, their electoral slogan was, you know, if we get into government, we'll ensure that any, any cuts will be put, imposed on those at the, at the top and not those at the bottom right, of yeah. society. And it's like whether they can deliver that, that's their core mm. promise. At the same time, you can see they are trying to engage, again, trying to keep an, a more independent profile rather than just being sort of submerged in, in this mm-hmm. coalition around, around the monarchy and around the question of a, a new republic. Yeah. And so I think, um, again, that's, that goes back to the Casado quote you, you mentioned at the beginning, um, yeah. that it's, it is a point in which they can separate themselves clearly from the best way. Mm-hmm. And I think beyond the side of you know, public opinion in this moment when, you know, mm. the Spanish monarchy is in, uh, in dire straits. So it, it, it's, you can see they, I mean, but even, even that, there's no sense that, you know, a new republic is imminent. It is, it is no. very much, yeah. a, a, um, you know, a, a subject around which they can differentiate themselves and, yeah. and, and gain certain traction um, and engage with the, with the right as the main, as the principal sort of, yeah. Um, alternative um, oh, that is, yeah but i think but i think at the same time they're going to be judged on 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 material issues on their ability mm. to, to to deliver um i think the strategy has been that um yeah i mean you're right there were, you know um it was you know it, it was born as a sort of left populist force mm. insert assert a new insurgent um coming out of kinsayama coming out of the indignados mm. as um yeah, offering offering a, an alternative to La Casta to the you know the yeah. political and economic establishment. 
Mm. And I think, you know, in 2015, their sort of their first general election, they had this breakthrough, got 20%. Mm. Um, but that was the high point. And I think yeah. it was based, you know, the party was founded on a on on a on the strategic wager that in, in one electoral cycle you could you could reach power, that you could or at mm. least overtake the best way to become the major uh, left-wing force. And, that, yeah. and they, they came close. I mean, you know, um, against huge, you know, huge opposition. Mm. Um, they were, you know, within, within a point or two of, of Pessoa in 2015. Mm. Um, the turning point was the Catalan independence crisis, which reordered the Spanish political fields um, around the sort of clash of nationalisms, um, you know, Catalan versus mm. Spanish nationalism. Um, and and led to you know away away from the previous if if in the previous cycle spanish politics was was principally ordered around the question of austerity around the question you know social economic mm. issues the catalanish uh question operated a bit like brexit like you know it, it yeah. um, you know it it created a terrain which was very difficult for the left to win on actually mm. impossible um, yeah. and which saw the saw vox break through I mean and that's like and the, since and since then I think there has been a recognition within Podemos, within the leadership that um in the medium term overtaking gaining the sorpasso of, of the Pesaway is not possible. So they have right. to um so in a sense governing at, going into coalition, the first left wing coalition in eighty years was mm. in a moment of of def- you know when they're on the defense of retreat it was a moment of it was a strategy of stabilization mm. you know that this would this would stabilize their numbers and they could regroup and go from there mm. obviously they didn't expect the pandemic which throws up a you know because yeah. i think that's the thing you know it throws up much more fundamental questions about how the economy spanish economy is organized mm. um you know um which which they have to um, be um, be able to, you know, sort of um, have an influence on. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and and like you said, the you know, uh, it was difficult for them to to manage the the Catalonia issue. I suppose that sort of coming to a, you know, that helped rise Vox, who did manage it. You know, it worked in their favour. Um, and tomorrow they they're putting forward a motion of no confidence. Uh, do you think this is like part of the battle, the ideological right wing battle for votes, like the version of Podemos Pesoe, but on the, between Vox and Pepe? Or do you think um, this is just like a an act that was announced and they're sort of just following through a lot to lose face, like this motion of no confidence? I mean, I don't think it's going to pass, is it? I mean, that, no, 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 uh, not, no. It is. It's symbolic. It's, it's, yeah. it's. I guess Vox uh, positioning itself as the authentic opposition to mm. the left, um, yeah. and I think that is. It is also the problem for for Casado for the Pepe's that they are. They have been, um, you know, since Vox's breakthrough, been locked in a sort of um, in a struggle. You know, like in a sense. Um, you know, if you lose your, the Pepe has lost sort of fifteen percent of its vote um, on its right flank, and um, I think yeah, Vox believes this is a way to to sort of position itself 
um, to stabilize itself as the as the authentic, mm. you know, right wing opposition to 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 the left to you know like um, and I think it is the problem is that uh, Casado is sort of stuck. He has um, Ciudadanos to his in the set to his center in uh-huh. the center, and then Vox Vox on his right flank. And I think it is a question of how how does he position position himself and it you know it has been to compete with Vox and to say look why vote for Vox when you can have you know a party of government who's basically offering the same thing mm. um so I think we'll see I mean like I think um they have Vox has managed to sort of stabilize a core electorate of maybe 12 13 percent yeah um, they're trying to put down um social roots in certain you know mm. um i i wrote a oh, piece yeah. with with tommy green last week for Navarra media but uh-huh. um it's their, their their launch of its patriotic anti-communist trade union um, yeah which is you know it's not really a trade they're not interested they don't have the capacity to to engage in you know collective negotiation in workplaces mm. it's it's a question it's a it's a means of agitation um mm. and i think yeah i mean obviously if they can engage in sort of yeah these sort of culture war dynamics strict mm. polarization with the left i think you know it it's maybe not even necessary that they they overtake the pepe but they will be in a position in which um you know on fit on 15 percent on 12 percent on may, maybe as high as 18 20 percent that they they will have huge influence on on mm. on, on any potential alternative government and i think yeah. The strategy at the moment for Casado seems to be, yeah, not obviously not give an inch to the to the coalition, and the bet is that the pan- pandemic will just exhaust the coalition. In you know the mm. the sheer depth of the crisis, in, in, maybe maybe it won't collapse in the next twelve months, but the next you know it might be in the next year, eighteen yeah. months. It, you know, just the the contradictions, the mm. the you know, I mean. W- we also now have to see what happens. I mean, you know, in terms of a second wave, mm. what is going to be the, you know, what type of, of measures will be needed um, mm. and the impact in terms, again, in terms of uh, GDP and, you know, economic impact. Mm. And, and like as well, I mean, like another imminent thing is the, the, the central government getting involved with the Madrid region, like responding to USO's lack yeah. of, of yeah. response. Uh, and that's just gonna that's just going to agitate the right throughout the country i think um yeah it is and it's gonna if 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 the central government is forced to intervene as it looks as if it is that it is gonna five, be yeah yeah, five, yeah, well, yeah they probably won't even go that far because i mean right. uh, but they will you know it will be ayusa will be the rallying point then for yeah mm. uh again for a you know illegitimate government who you know based based on the support of chavistas and independent yeah. independentists and all this you know that this is again them overstepping the mark mm. destroy you know destroying a potential economic recovery in madrid mm. um i used to said yesterday that you know a, a lockdown in madrid or you know quarantine was wasn't necessary that we need to look at sort of intermediate measures creative ways of um and so she she's positioning herself i mean you know She's allowed it to get out of control. There's a point where, you know, um, 
there's only there's you know they they don't have the the contact tracers to to manage this this virus um, no. but she's positioned herself now that it will be sanchez who and the coalition national coalition which have to make the tough decisions and mm. um she you know and she she will hope well from her perspective hopefully rally her base i think I think, it, like, I mean, the the one thing is the the protests this weekend. The police had a minimal presence, and I think um, again the coalition came because I think this is this is also part of the strategy is the fact that um, Ayuso knows who she has to defend. She knows who she's governing for, mm. um, um, and one of the the side effects of this is the fact that you're imposing the course on on these neighborhoods. Um, they are becoming, you know increasingly agitated mm. and there is a cer certain disillusionment with the national government that they've been in a sense abandoned to this and i think mm. podemos in particular came under pressure to say to to ensure that there was no more police violence because i mean the, i mean the images you know that they were national you know you know police officers um mm. attacking basically their you know the, the voters of the current government i mean it's yeah. um so i think yeah um it's yeah it's where we'll see what happens no it's it's mm. um i mean every, everything really depends yeah how i mean they you know what will happen in the next few weeks in terms of the in terms of the development of the second wave have yeah. they let it let it get to a, a point where now you know there's not you know the the measures that are needed are going to again leave leave spain with um you know sort of uh, economic losses, you know, yeah. falls in GDP much beyond in other countries. And I think at the same time, uh, the epidemiologist uh, Pedro Guillon said, um, I mean, it is also, Spe you know, there are other countries that are maybe four weeks behind Spain, if you look at yeah. like particularly France or mm. the UK. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it's uncertainty, I think, is the... Yeah. I mean, the urge pay has been extended of a furlough scheme. There's a meet, key meeting today. Um, and like you said, you know, not just Podemos, but the whole government is going to be judged on how it delivers materially. And, you know, there's nothing more material than you can't go to work because you're in a lockdown and, and you know, you need your furlough payment. Um, and I think they're, they're uh, negotiating that today. So definitely be worth keeping eye out for what happens there really yeah no um, definitely I, yeah no well <laughs> um well it's got well no i think it is it's also the question of um yeah i mean obviously the other issue then is 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 housing I mean, because i think mm. um i think where they have fallen down is is on their inability to in, um I, I protect people over the last six months i mean the, you know the number of evictions that are still continuing mm. um and I think, yeah, I mean, those, those type of things undermine confidence in the government. Mm. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, I think, yeah, hopefully the furlough scheme will be, will be extended. Yeah. Thanks very much for coming on, Owen. It's a pleasure yeah. to no, it's been have you on. Yeah, it's been enjoying talking to you. Thank you, Owen, for coming on Sobre Mesa. Remember, you can share and like this podcast. Please remember to leave a review on Apple or Amazon, uh, a nice review if, if you like it, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Remember, we're trying to reach 200 listeners um, 
by Christmas, so it would be great to reach that. And hopefully Owen will be back in the future uh, to discuss Spanish politics further, as there's always something going on. You can find links to his articles on the website, and you can also find him on Twitter. Thanks very much for listening. I hope you have a nice week, and I will be back next week with more updates on Spanish politics and another interview. Thanks. Have a great week.